You're listening to All Marine Radio, broadcasting from Costa Mesa, California, on the All Warrior Radio Network. A very good Monday morning to you. Mike McNamara in for a Monday edition of All Marine Radio right here from beautiful North Carolina. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So hoping, uh, hoping you had a nice weekend. Uh, I did. <laughs> uh, flew back here with my daughter, Colleen. And so that was uh, very cool. And so, um, yeah, good morning to you on a Monday from uh, from uh, North Carolina. Staying at my uh, son and my daughter-in-law's house with my grandson. And then, uh, you know, my daughter, Colleen, Aunt Colleen flew back. So uh, Colleen's going, doing her senior year in high school, most of it by distance so far. Um, I hope for her sake uh, that, you know, they get to go back to school here pretty soon. I think it's pretty shitty that kids who have very low risk of uh, COVID uh, somehow or other can't go to school and get, you know, Colleen will miss half of her junior year and uh and almost all of her senior year uh being with her classmates and playing sports and going to events and uh all of this so uh i don't know so i hope uh you know now that we have a vaccine out there and uh we can get the most vulnerable people vaccinated here pretty quick and kids can get back to school and and uh uh, I, I I don't even want to venture to say life back to somewhat normal, but uh, 
but at least um i know for i hope for my daughter that she can um she can experience the things that most kids experience when they uh their senior year in high school and so but we'll see but anyway uh making the best out of it she'll do her little distance learning thing tomorrow from here and uh get to hang out with uh uh with uh my daughter-in-law and my grandson so uh so fun i um we flew, got up early and flew Saturday in very easy from Orange County to Atlanta. And then over here to uh, Albert Ellis Airport in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And then uh, Ubered down here, met a nice Egyptian girl who was an Uber driver. And uh, so did that. And uh, so very nice. Very nice. Um yeah, she's an Egyptian girl that moved here, I don't know, five or six years ago with her husband, who had done some work overseas for the American military. And uh, and I, I will tell you what, um, it is absolutely brutal when you can't hear very well. Um, trying to listen in a car where the driver's looking ahead and there's the ambient noise outside the car and she's got a mask on. <laughs> It's a special, oh, my God. And so, um, yeah, not good, not good. The um, No, I just feel stupid, you know, saying excuse me all the time. And uh, I'm sorry. Or then sometimes you just don't say it. And you just kind of smile and laugh, thinking that hopefully they said something funny. And my kids always caution me, that's going to get you in trouble. So, um so, yeah, I had a great uh, trip and then went up to Camp Lejeune uh, today and did audio-visual checks, or yesterday. I'm actually recording this Sunday night, so um, so there's something on the air, and uh, Monday. Um, so, um, and then everything uh, ready to go for tomorrow, so I'll do post-traumatic winning, and excited to do it. Uh, the commanding officer, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, saw this at MCRD in San Diego and a colonel by the name of Fahey and if I re- recollect and so uh, he's brought it back here and is very excited about it so uh, we'll do it for headquarters battalion of TUMEF so they're the marines that support the command element of the 2nd Marine Expeditionary Force that's uh, here on the east coast Carolina MAGTAF as they're called so, um, so no, I'm looking forward to that and that little bit different version, I've had to shorten it. And uh, I worked really hard over the weekend. You know, I don't like to leave stuff out. So how do I how do I say it? How do I truncate it? So I make the point, but don't go into the detail if I had the time that I normally would. So, uh, so I spent most of the flights out here, most of the flight from Orange County to Atlanta, working on the presentation. So... About four and a half hours of doing that, and I think it I got it to where um I want it to be, and it's close in terms of time and so but it's always hard because you have to you have to actually do it like that, and so that's where it takes a little bit of practice so I rehearsed today after I went to, up to camp Lejeune and uh so hopefully tomorrow everything uh goes well. I do it three times a day, and I think four times on Wednesday when spouses see it. So, uh, yeah, 
but I always learn and uh and even you know even this uh even this uh even this iteration of it you know I've kind of broadened like normally I say there's three interstates right uh one is the uh, post one is you have no trauma and we all start out on that one Number one is we learn to fake it. Things happen when we're little. We don't really know how to cope with them. And so we learn how to fake it so we can get through the day. And then number two is when we're teenagers or, you know, subsequent to having something traumatic happen to us as adults. A lot of times we learn how to self-medicate with alcohol. So that would be interstate three. Two is fake it. Interstate three is uh, self-medicated. And then interstate there's there's a county road. I wouldn't even say it's an interstate because it's such a small road. And that is the road where there's good, um, where there's really good therapists. And um, I had a friend of mine who was watching uh, the different videos of post-traumatic wedding. And uh, she's a yoga instructor. And she said, you know, your point is right. She said, there are some really great therapists out there. But you're right. Um, it takes a lot of money to see them. And they tend to be in places like the west side of Los Angeles where there's a lot of money to be made. And uh, people have very long relationships with them. And she said, you're, you're right about that. She said, I've met some of them. I've, I've seen one of them for a few times, but I couldn't continue to do it because it's just too expensive. And, uh, so anyway, um, I know that's like a county road, right? It's a, it's a toll road and the toll is really expensive. I don't know anybody who goes down that road, right? Uh, a long-term relationship with a really good therapist. I don't know anybody like that. Uh, and then, so that would be like the county road. And then the fourth path is the post-traumatic winning path. And I would tell you now, after thinking about it today, um, even that has 4A and 4B, depending on if you want to give. If you just want to do everything in, in the two goals and the Ten Commandments, you can get yourself on a regular basis out of the valley of the shadow of death, where life push, pushes you in there. And you can you can get out of that. And you can live just outside of it, and you can live in your world, and you can do good. If that's if, if that's your goal, if that's all you want to do, you could do that. But then there's for Bravo, which is the path of post-traumatic winning, and that is to give of yourself. And so even so, and then I was thinking about that, the difference between, you know, growing yourself and, and being able to do okay yourself and giving to others is the difference between good to great, which is the Jim Collins book. And Jim Collins, who you've heard talk about the Stockdale Paradox, right? And so I kind of I kind of whipped that in there. And um, yeah, the difference is going from good to great, right? Going from trauma to joy, Instead of maybe, you know, trauma to okay, you know, and, uh, but I think for most people, once they discover that there's a, 
a propensity or a bias to want to help others. And so, uh, and so it goes. And so it goes. In fact, most of the people I know are, are anxious to help others. So anyway, so I mean, my thoughts evolve on this all the time as I think about it and think about it. So, um, so no, uh, I'm excited. Um, yesterday, the 10th of January, was uh, my younger sister Maureen, uh, who passed away in 2014. Uh, Maureen would have been 60 yesterday. So happy birthday, Mo. Uh, growing up, Maureen was, uh, she was my, uh, she was my partner. We played, uh, you know, she was tomboy. She was a really, really good athlete. She played with my friends and I. She played basketball. She played football. She played baseball. We played touch football in the street. Maureen would play. We played tackle football. Maureen would play. And Maureen was, Maureen was a good athlete. And, uh. You know, had every gift God could give somebody, and then, uh, but you know, with her demons, you know, she uh, she used alcohol, and then it ultimately killed her uh, in 2014. But she would have been 60 uh, on the 10th of January. So uh, happy birthday to my uh, sister Maureen. And then uh, on a on another, you know, sad note, but you know, a great note. Tommy Lasorda. Uh, passed away on Saturday, I believe. And uh, I had a chance to meet him and get to know him when I was a young guy. And uh, because of what my dad did, um, you know, I met Tommy Lasorda, you know, a bunch of times. And, uh, but um, the two times that, uh, and when, when I first saw him on TV, I mean, my dad was with the Giants. And they had already played in the minor leagues. My dad's team won the Southern League. And that team had Reggie Jackson, Sal Bando, Joe Rudy, all these guys that would go and play for the A's. And Tommy Lasorda was managing Albuquerque in uh, the Pacific Coast League. And they they played a playoff series. And uh, and my dad's team won. But uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And and the Dodgers team would have all those guys that would play for the Dodgers, uh, say Lopes, Garvey, you know, all those guys. And so uh, I met Tommy Lasorda. So I used to see him on TV with the big Dodger in the sky and all that, all that stuff. <laughs> and I just used to this guy. Oh my God! I mean, Tommy Lasorda talked shit before shit talking was cool, right? I mean, like this Italian guy, this big mouth, you know, fat Italian guy. Like, who the hell does he think he is? And then he succeeds Walter Alston. He came up as the third base coach of the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Catholic, Italian Catholic from Pennsylvania. And, uh, and so, you know, as a kid, I, I met him. As a teenager, I met him. And then I remember just before I came in the Marine Corps, um, he came down to the new porter to have lunch with my dad. And uh, my dad said, hey, come uh, come to lunch. I said, who are you having lunch with? And uh, he said, um, Tommy Lasorda and his wife, Joe are coming down. And uh, he said, I think they're bringing their poodle too. And I said, okay. 
And so, um, so we go to lunch. And let me tell you, he was funny. He was a funny, funny guy. He is when you saw him in his prime. I mean, he could tell a story, right? And he never let the truth get in the way, like all great storytellers. Never let the truth get in the way of a uh, of a good story. And oh my God, he was funny. And much to my delight, he was a he was a, he was a bit profane. And uh, and and he could tell a story, and he would mix swear words into syllables. And I don't know that I'd ever, I had ever heard that. And oh my God, he was just, uh, he was just so funny. And, uh, and you know, he, you know, he'd argue and he'd get pissed. He wasn't, and but he wasn't really pissed. Right. But he, oh my God, it was just, uh, so I don't know. We, we had, we sat there for a couple hours, I think on an off day for both the angels and the Dodgers and, and, uh, you know, and had lunch and he was just a wonderful guy. And like, like a lot of friends of my dad, you know, who were famous guys. I mean, these guys were depression guys and Tommy was sort of was, and, you know, they went to, they, they got signed up baseball contracts and if they didn't make it, I mean, they were high school educated kids out of the depression and my dad born in 32, the sort of born around then you know maybe a few years before and I mean they were tough kids and they went away to make a baseball team to make a living and then they became managers and coaches and uh the guy most of these guys my dad never got to the big leagues as a player um Lasorda I don't think I don't think Lasorda did either I I think he was a career minor league pitcher I mean do stuff like pitch both games of a doubleheader (laughs) you know stuff stuff in baseball terms you just just did not happen very much and so we had lunch and he I mean we just had a a great time and I was getting ready to go in the Marine Corps and he was very interested in that you know why and and uh why I want to serve why the Marine Corps and you know he agreed with me he said hey look you know by far they're the toughest everybody knows that he's and you know and look at you and tell you how proud you know how proud he was of you and all of that and so, um, you know, and then he's goofing around with his, they have two poodles or something. And, uh, and, you know, he's just funny talking about his dogs and stuff, just like any other guy, right? Any other guy. And, um, and then I did an interview and you'll, it's about eight minute interview and you'll hear, you know, you'll hear part of it. Um, you'll hear the clip I still have. I don't know where the whole thing is, but I have about eight minutes of it. And uh, it's he and my dad uh, had come on my radio show. But anytime you have Tommy Lasorda on, he dominates the conversation, right? My dad was relatively soft-spoken. Tommy, an extrovert. And um, and so you're, you'll hear that here in, in, in a little bit. And then um, before I got ready to go to Afghanistan or right after I came home, one of the two, um, in the summer of 2010 or the summer of 2011, well, you know, which one, depending on if I went before or after, um, I called up to Tommy's assistant and I, and I said, Hey, um, I'm getting, you know, I'm going back, I'm going to Afghanistan 
And uh, I, my son's coming out. Um, and is there any way that Tommy can leave his tickets? Knowing that they'd be great tickets, right? Patrick would love it. And um, the kid's name was Colin Gunderson. And um, Colin said, well, Mike, let me, yeah, I'm Tommy in a heartbeat. You know, let me just talk to him and maybe he'll want to come say hi and whatnot. And so I can't remember even, I don't think he, he, I don't think he was at the stadium that night because he had another obligation. But, um, you know, I, I mean, he, Tommy called me and he, he called me, uh, to wish me good luck in Afghanistan and tell me how proud he was of me. And, you know, he knew from talking to my dad that I'd been to Iraq a couple times. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, a wonderful conversation of a patriotic guy. And uh, if you remember, you know, the Rick whole Rick Monday thing, when Rick Monday grabs the flag from two guys that um, that jumped on the field at Dodger Stadium and were going to light a flag on fire in the 70s. Well, Monday grabs the flag, and he's running off the field. Well, if you look at the picture, who do you think's running at those guys to go get them? It's Lasorda. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, these guys were – and they, he just great guy. And then uh, – and so uh, so anyway, he passed away. And, again, it's, it's sad, but, but let me tell you, you talk about a guy who lived a great life. You know, I think he's from Denora, Pennsylvania. And um, he, you know, rose to the heights of Major League Baseball. And uh, he, uh, I think he lived his whole life. Uh, he and his wife bought a home in uh, Fullerton. And uh, and he lived there most of his life. I don't know if he passed away there. But uh, just, uh, just a funny, funny, hard-nosed, you know, guy and a Dodger his whole life. And uh, and he loved being a Dodger, uh, even uh, even into his uh, latter years. I mean, he tried to get to spring training, and he tried to get to the stadium as often as he could. And uh, you know, ninety three years of age. So uh, so uh, God bless Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> um, just uh, just a wonderful guy. And uh, but let me tell you, you know, when you competed against him, he you know he was no bullshit. And uh, the Dodgers played tough, and and I, I I will see if I can get some of my friends on. If maybe if not this week, simply because I'm back here, and running around so much. Uh, but my roommate from college, Bill Bavese, his dad was a president of the Dodgers in Los Angeles. He was Branch Rickey's assistant in Brooklyn. His dad's name is Buzzy Bavese. Buzzy was a squad leader. In, in the army in World War II, carried a Thompson machine gun in Italy. Yeah, fought in the mountains of Italy against the Germans. And was one of the most interesting guys I've ever met in my life. And so Bill knew Tommy as a, you know, when Bill's a little kid, he knows Tommy Lasorda. And all the, you know, because he's part of the big Dodger family. And so I'll see if I can get Bill on just to talk a little, uh, a little baseball history, but uh, yeah, Tom Lasorda is just a, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And again, one of those guys for me that I mean, they would give you like Billy Martin. You know, a lot of people say a lot of bad things about Billy Martin, but let me tell you this: he was if he if he if he was for you, he was for you a hundred percent. If he was against you, you didn't really want to be around for that, right? 
and you know he loved my dad and and uh, Billy Martin. Um, he you know he used to make fun of me for being a Marine because he was in the Army, and uh, and uh, he uh, but he one of those guys give you the shirt off his back, give you the shirt off his back, and uh, and Tommy was the same way. Uh, when I you know like I said those are the tickets Patrick and I got. Yeah, we're waiting at the will call window, and we see Larry King walk by. Larry King is like 80% head on this little stick figure. Yeah, he's a gaunt guy, and he has this big head with his big hair. And we're sitting there waiting for our tickets, and going, that's Larry King, look at that. And so, um, no, but we, we, uh, we had great seats, and Patrick and I had a great time going to see the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. As, as the guest of Tommy Lasorda, so um, no, just uh, wonderful memories of uh, of a of a guy who lived a great life. So uh, God bless him, and uh, may God uh, hold him in his uh, the palm of his hand and keep that hand close to his heart. So uh, good morning to everybody here on a on a Monday. Uh, the uh, United States Marine Corps Band makes this uh, makes this mor- makes this morning official. Uh, here in uh, in uh, North Carolina. So, uh, good morning, to everybody. This is dedicated to uh, my sister Maureen, known as Mo to her friends, and uh, whose 60th birthday it would have been gen- yesterday, yesterday, January 10th, and uh, also to uh, to Tommy Lasorda, who lived uh, a life that you would write, and people say, yeah, it's a little bit too hokey, right? A little bit too hokey, but uh, he lived every bit of it. And uh, now he's up there with the big Dodger in the sky, as he often called him. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, God bless Tommy Lasorda. And uh, just a big thank you for from me t- for all of his kindness that he extended to me over the years. And then, uh, and then you'll hear an interview, about an eight-minute interview that uh, I did with he and my dad. And so, uh, so don't touch that dial. So... 
It's dedicated to uh, my sister Maureen and uh, Tommy Lasorda here on a Monday morning. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time for us to check the weather here. So we, we will do that even though it's in the middle of the night and it's not it's not going to be close to what it normally is. Currently up in Quantico, up the coast, it is uh, dark, cloudy, and 33. Here locally, Camp Lejeune, it is clear, dark, and 35. Uh, highs in the, the mid to low 50s here in North Carolina. 29 Palms, dark, cloudy, 47. Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, clear, dark, and... 58, Camp Smith in Hawaii, evening falling, and 76 degrees. In Okinawa, it is cloudy and 61. In Afghanistan, this is off my laptop, so I don't have my the other temperatures. In uh, the Helmand province of Afghanistan, it is 
dark, clear, and 25 degrees. And in Iraq, it is, in Ramadi, it is clear, dark, and 41 degrees. At the home of All Marine Radio, where I am not, in Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California, it is partly cloudy and 58. A high surf advisory in effect for Southern California. Looking for a high of 72 today, 69 on Tuesday, 70 on Wednesday, and on Thursday, 78 degrees. How about that? 78 degrees. Unbelievable. That is a uh, that is a look at your weather here on a uh, on a Monday morning. Now, um, what I want to do is I want to play an interview that uh, that I did with uh, Tommy Lasorda and my dad. And so, um, give me a second. Uh, while I tee this thing up. And uh and you will hear you will hear Tommy and my dad. And so uh let's see. I think we were talking about the um I think we were talking about the designated hitter and baseball managers and things like that. So uh without further ado, my father and Tommy Lasorda. Again, my guest Tommy Lasorda this morning, my dad John McNamara. We're gonna switch gears. I wanna talk about the- why am I talking so fast? I'm not exactly sure. Major League Baseball, the pennant race is going on. Uh, Tommy, were you initially in favor of the uh, wild card, and what do you think of it now? Well, let me say this. Before I answer that question, I want you to know how happy I am to be doing this interview with John McNamara, who I've always been so proud of and so have so much respect for him in all the years he gave to our game. He's one of the real outstanding contributors to Major League Baseball, and I'm happy to be on that with him. But oh, thank uh, you, Tom. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing about it uh, is that uh, the commissioner, when he came in with the uh, Wild Park, I thought it was the greatest thing that he could do for baseball. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because in September, many many times, and your dad's been through this. If your team is not in contention then the fans start losing interest in coming out and watching the team play. But when you have play of teams that are still involved in the wild card, now the fans are going to come out and support you and hope that you can win to get into the playoffs. Because the last three years, the World Series winners would be, were, be, were the wild card team. And I think it was great for baseball. And I think this commissioner, he's done a fantastic job and bringing that in, bringing revenue sharing in, bringing interleague play in, and, and all of those things. So he's been a commissioner that has really accomplished something in baseball. 
All right. Dad, your thoughts. Initially, were you in favor of the wild card, and what do you think of it now? Yes, I think it's uh, it's very, very good. You pick up the paper, which I haven't done yet today, and take a look at those races. Those people have something to play for. And, you know, when in the old format where, you know, you came down to that uh, final two weeks, whatever, and September is a month, if you didn't have a chance, you would see, uh, you know, teams back off. And like Tommy said, when you played against somebody that was going after something, that was uh, that was special. But the other games were really insignificant, other than uh, padding your own uh, personal records or whatever you were doing that year. And this has been very good for for uh, baseball. You take a look at all the. Uh, all the races in both leagues, and the only one that is coming down to the to the bitter end is the uh, Western Division of the American League with Oakland and the uh, Angels. Easy now, Dad. The Dodgers are five games out. They're still alive. I don't want you to. I don't want you to put a stake in them yet. The uh, hey, I, you both of you managed in, in National League for for a lot of years, Dad. You time in the American League as well. Uh, Tommy, how do you feel about the designated hitter? Do you think the Na- American League ought, ought to do away with that thing? Yeah. I don't like the designated hitter, and I never did, and I never will. The, you, well, I'll tell you, you know what I don't like? I, to me, second-guessing on the way home when you're leaving Dodger Stadium is is what makes baseball exciting and the big argument should Lasorda have, have, have taken the pitcher out, then he had to pinch it for him, then he brought the next guy in. That's the wrong move. To me, that's such a big part of the game, and the designator makes hitter makes the game such cookie cutter. It takes away from the second guessing, which is what fans like to talk about. What tough decision does the manager have to make? And what what the designator's hitter? He doesn't have to make any decision. If he wants to take that pitcher out, uh, if he uh, he's got he's got uh, he doesn't have to hit. So he, he the guy stays in the game. If it's a uh, you're you're in a situation. It's a one-one game in the sixth inning, and you have the bases loaded. Uh, you got to get those runs, and you're going to have to you're going to have to hit for that pitcher, and he's not going to like it, and you have to do it in order to score runs. And if you do it, and the the, the hitter doesn't isn't successful, and then the other pitcher comes in and gives the other team a couple of runs, you've had it, boy. They're gonna they're gonna rip you from one end of the one end of the city to the other, but that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it interesting, and I I feel certain that your father feels the same way. All right, Dad, do you? You manage in both leagues. Do you like managing uh, either league more? Is American managing the American League easier? Yes, managing in the uh, National League was much more challenging than managing in the uh, American League because of the uh, designated hitter. As Tommy said, you did not have to make uh, decisions on a pitcher, even if he was pitching a good ball game, depending on who the pitcher was on the other side. Uh, You had a chance to score runs. You better take advantage of it. In the American League, you don't have to make that decision. In the National League, you did. And sure, you were subjected to a second guess, but, uh, you know, hindsight is 100, uh, what, 2020. And uh, uh, you know what you could do, like, you know, 
it's uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing game. The peanut vendor, nothing against them, in the third deck can tell you when you should bunt and who is <laughs> in the right position to hit and run, or who to who to steal, uh, who can steal, and and what not. But managing to me was managing a pitching staff, knowing what your pitchers could give you, how long you could go, and I. I'm appalled. I don't know how Tommy feels about this. These commentators on TV, well, this guy has 100 pitchers. So what? You know? Well, that's, John, that's the thing. Somebody interviewed me about three months ago and said, what do you think is wrong with our game now? I said, the only thing I see wrong with is this talking about the pitch count. What? 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 They started in the first inning. How many pitches the guy made? So what? I would have liked to seen I would have liked to seen Walter Alston go out in the seventh inning and tell Drysdale, "That's it, you've reached your pitch count." Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think? Like, what do you think Drysdale would have done, or Colfax, or, or Bob Gibson, or Juan Marichal, or, or, or Tom Seaver, or, or Don Sutton? I mean, what 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 is this all about? The pitch count? How are they are they getting guys out? Hey, I was just saying, I just saw a Jacksonville team play. Well, and now, the Tom, other, they the get other four day days rest. The other day I went to see our Jacksonville team play, and Billingsley had a no-hit-no-run game, and in the eighth inning I saw Broxton walk out. I said, what happened with Billingsley? Oh, he reached his pitch count. A no-hit-no-run. That manager, you know where he would have <laughs> had to try to get that ball from me? He would have probably had to come all the way around second base. But I wasn't giving him the ball. <laughs> you know, I don't. I need to find that whole interview because, um, let me tell you, that stuff is hilarious. And like I said, he, I wouldn't have given him the ball. Um, you know, and and he, you know, he had some opinions. You know, he, you know, I remember when uh, Daryl Strawberry had his cocaine problem. And people were saying, oh, that's a sickness. And Tommy, he was not having that one bit. He said, sickness? Cancer's a sickness. What sickness forces you to stick something up your nose? And, you know, he took, later on, he took a lot of he took a lot of shit for that. You know? Uh, but he, he was adamant. He said, look, I see little kids who have cancer in hospitals. That's a sickness. You can't do anything about it. Daryl Strawberry control, uh, you know. So uh, let me tell you, he was not shy with his opinions. <laughs> he was not shy about his opinions about life, and uh, you know, just a guy with a big heart, um, and uh, and just uh, and like I said, funny. You hear him talk. You know, you you hear the names if you're a baseball fan that he that he reels off. Um, Don Sutton, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson. You know, th- he they bring up Drysdale, right? Don Drysdale might have been one of the toughest people ever to ever to pitch in Major League Baseball. You know, he was, you know, that's why they both laugh when they bring up Drysdale's name. You go out there and tell him you've thrown too many pitches, I'm taking you out. He would have, he would have, he would, he would not have given you the ball. He just wouldn't. He said, get, he'd tell you, get off the mound. I'm not leaving. You do whatever you want. I'm not, I'm staying here. And um, so um, I need to track down. Uh, that entire interview. I've got to find that thing someplace on a hard drive or someplace. I don't know what the hell I did with it, but uh, but that's about eight minutes of it. 
and so um so time in the sorta um and that's uh that's gonna do it for today um i wanted to uh i, I wanted to play that because uh he is uh always been a favorite and uh well he wasn't when i was a kid i used to oh my god i hated him with a passion but then once you meet him um and then he Lasorda's famous for telling a story about you know he and my dad both catholics and uh there was a church and uh, i want to say it's, it was a downtown cathedral and then there was a chapel downstairs and on sunday morning they'd have a mass like at eight o'clock or nine o'clock and so when the Reds would be in town. We'd go to Mass there. If I was up there for a Sunday or something, you know, I'd go to Mass with my dad, and we'd go there. And, you know, Lasorda would be there on his way into Dodger Stadium. He'd stop and go to Mass. And uh, and Tommy would tell the story that, uh, you know, my he, you know after after Mass, he'd wait to say hi to my dad. He said, but, you know, I used to hide. And, you know, John, you know, very religious guy, and he would light a candle, you know, and he said, I know what John was praying for. And he said, so I'd wait till John left the church and I'd go over and blow that thing out. <laughs> and so uh, he's funny, uh, a funny guy. And uh, but just, a, you know, just a, a one of a kind guy. So uh, so that'll do it on a uh, on a Monday morning, this 11th day of uh, January. And uh, I I didn't follow much of the political news over the uh, weekend. The president, I would think, would be impeached. Some of the headlines I saw that there were Republicans that uh, that were supporting that effort, and uh, that does not surprise me one bit. Um, I think the president was reckless in what he did. You know, um, he says things that uh, you know that that in my opinion he shouldn't say, and given the time of that uh and that rally the things that he said in proximity to the capitol and then there's uh much discussion about what were the capitol police doing you know there's pictures of people as tim lynch said you know opening doors and letting people in you know what the hell what the hell happened up there so uh and then i'll tell you this i mean uh, last week there was uh you know you, you saw lebron james you heard the president-elect even say this that there's two systems of justice in the, in our country. I didn't see anybody. I don't. I didn't see too many people facing charges that rioted and looted. I saw a lot of people get them dismissed. You're seeing people and throw the book at them, and the Republicans should throw the book at them, and then they should say, "Okay, I hope we have the same standard the next time there's looting and rioting in a major American city." I hope we do. So if this is the standard, and this is what everybody supported, I hope that is the standard. And that if you seek to destroy anybody's property, you seek to destroy the capital of the United States, you seek to break the law, that you should have the books thrown at you. And they should. But it doesn't seem like that is the way it goes. The whole thing tends to be a function of, do I agree with you or disagree with you? And if you're a Democrat and uh, and you're looting in the name of George Floyd, I guess that's okay. You're you're burning down Portland's downtown on a nightly basis. That's okay. You're occupying Seattle, and that's okay. 
And, you know, you never hear the Speaker of the House, who's now so adamant about, uh, about Donald Trump, you never heard her say anything about this violence. People will do what they will do. Well, I mean, it weren't people just doing what they were doing, and why would she be so offended if that was the case? So again, I don't see, I, I'm still looking for the grown-ups, and I'm, I'm not seeing a whole lot of grown-up behavior, which, uh, again, just supports the reason why I believe that this thing's going to get worse. So, and, and it pains me to say that, but I believe it's true, and uh, it's important for you to know that. So, uh, so that you can mentally prepare yourself. So I'm, uh, I'm actually, as you listen to this, I'm... Uh, Already through post-traumatic winning once this morning and uh, and probably getting ready to do it a second time here in about 30 minutes. So uh, I hope you have a great day. I will uh, check in with you and I'm, I'll see if I can get Bill Bavese on, if not this week, next week. And we'll have a uh, funny conversation about uh, Tommy Lasorda, uh, who, uh, who Bill grew up around. And then uh, as Bill became a, a, an executive and, and Major League Baseball professional, um got to spend more time with him in a in a more professional way and which I'm sure he treasures. So um on this uh on this uh, Monday morning uh I hope you have a uh, I hope you have a great day and don't be afraid to change somebody's life. Lord knows I'm trying as we speak and uh and as I said earlier, really excited about it. You know, really excited about it. So uh, I have the coolest job in the world. And I would just implore you to pay attention and reach out to people that you know that are struggling. And uh, to anybody out there, if you want to watch the videos that are post-traumatic winning, you've heard about it, and you want to watch it, or you'd like somebody to see it, uh, shoot me an email. Give me a call. Tell me. Say, hey, Mac, I have a friend who I've talked uh, to about this stuff, and I'd love for him or her to see it. And uh, I need an email address, and I could do that. So I'm here to help. Anyway, have a great day. On a Monday, All Marine Radio. Out. Oh, but remember, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. Do that. Now I'm out.